Hello, and welcome to the Conrad Life Report um, for July 23rd, 2019. Coming to you uh, tonight from a special location. Uh, I am not in Carroll Gardens on the south side of DeGraw Street at home, but rather in Cobble Hill at a friend Gabe's apartment. Um, I am watering plants and he left a Threes Brewing Logical Conclusion IPA in the fridge, which I am enjoying. And I thought since it's quiet over here, since it's just me, I thought I would record the podcast here. So here we go. Um, so yeah, I was I don't have my notebook in front of me, so I don't have my usual notes to like look down on. But basically, I'm going from memory. I did a quick quick uh, look through my Foursquare Swarm check-ins for the past few week, two weeks. So, because I think it's been 12 days since uh, the last, the last uh, podcast. So anyway, I haven't gotten a new microphone yet, as you probably can tell. So I'm going to get on that soon at some point. Anyway, I'm in a room surrounded by many, many, many books, and it's awesome. And I'm just like looking around the room and I'm seeing books that I own and I've read and I've read that I don't own and books that I own that I haven't read. So let's see. Right now I see in front of me How Music Works by David Byrne. Um, I read that last fall and I think I talked about it on the podcast. I must have. I see several copies of Dune, which my friend Joe Zawatsky bought for me at the Sherway Gardens Mall in Etobicoke in Toronto in the 90s when he he was just like, you got to read Dune, which I'd never read. So yeah, I bought it at probably, um, I can't even remember, what's the like Canadian B. Dalton from back then? It wasn't W.H. Smith, that's England. Um, can't believe I can't remember this. Anyway, not chapters, not the big store, but um, anyway, I see multiple copies of Dune um, and all of the other Dune uh, books. Um, Let's see, Tom Wolfe, The Bonfire of the Vanities, which I've never read, but I did own, and then I got rid of it during one of my moves. Uh, let's see, Zadie Smith, Feel Free, which I've not read, but I did read the first Zadie Smith book, um, White Teeth, and it's obviously great. Uh, you, you may have read it. Uh, Zadie Smith is from Wilsden, Northwest London, and when I lived in London, I was uh, my friend Anil Desai, um, his family owned Sabras, which I think, and which was very well known as being by far the the best Indian restaurant in Wilsden, Kilburn, Northwest London, which is saying a lot. Uh, it was on the Wilsden High Road. Um, Anil is now a comedian, an actor. Anyway, uh, he knew Zadie Smith. Actually, I guess he knew Ben Smith. I remember his, them saying Ben Smith, who's Zadie's brother. Um, so... Every time I see Zadie Smith's name, I think of white, white teeth and also Wilsden. Let's see. What else do I see? I see the, uh, the Smith's book, um, A Light That Never Goes Out, which uh, Gabe got for my birthday a few years ago. It is an excellent book. Um, and uh, what else am I looking at? Oh, How the Internet Happened by Brian McCulloch, which I just read, um, which I just finished four days ago. So we can actually pivot to books first this time. Um, so the only book I read in the past 12 days is this book, How the Internet Happened by Brian McCulloch. I think I had started it the last podcast, but basically Brian McCulloch, he is a 
<clears throat> I guess, reporter of some sort. Um, I, I mean, of some sort, I don't mean that like condescendingly. I just haven't, hadn't heard of him or I can't place him. Um, but he seems to be a classic reporter slash podcaster that ended up putting together, gathering all of his like cumulative, like reporting into this book. And I really enjoyed it. Um, it's one of those books where like, I didn't learn anything on the macro level in terms of like the broad history and when, when major events occurred and everything. And I remembered a lot of the minor de- minute details too, but it was really fun to read this book laid out in like 300 or however many pages it is of just starting with Netscape and going up to the present day. Um, just how our internet browsing and internet experience and interactivity with the internet has well been born and then evolved <clears throat> over the past 25 years. Uh, so it was great. I realized that I actually never really knew the story of eBay's creation, um, which is, it's it's one of the more pure like uh, creation <laughs> creation myths in tech, which is, it was a person who simply wanted to build a fun thing on his, on his like on a subdomain on his site, and decide and thought it would be like um, it would be uh, smart to actually have like let the market decide pricing. Um, and he seems to be like a very pure amateur that uh, did it for the sake of having a a fulfilling like. Um, a goal like he thought should be fulfilled out there and he made the site and it just exploded in popularity. Unlike, um, I guess, the Amazon site, which was Jeff Bezos, who was already a very successful, um, very wealthy um, hedge fund cat in New York and at 27 after doing some research or recommending something or essentially in the course of his work learning about the possibility of like <clears throat> taking commerce online decided to form an online emporium and he chose books because books, there's only two distributors in the United States to have to deal with. So it's an easy industry to kind of like get in on. Um, Books are the type of product that are the same wherever you go. So you can easily order them online. There's all these reasons why books was the, was, was um, a smart first uh, product play as they say. Um, So I guess I'd never really thought of Amazon and, um, even though you know, I do remember Amazon's very early sites and what they look like. And one thing I realized is that I was very, I was online very early, which people my age are. If you're in your forties um, and you were in high school and college, we're like the oldest people that were on starting, you know, before you know, while you were still in school. I guess obviously everyone after us <clears throat> uh, was online, you know, at much earlier ages, but. We sort of saw it happen, which is great and fascinating and <laughs> and terrible at the same time. But um, the one that re- really viscerally struck me was the whole uh, Napster chapter, which I remembered that I was um, way into LimeWire. It's my usual iconoclastic, like going towards the smaller, probably often better reviewed alternative to the uh, behemoth. So. I was a LimeWire person, and uh, anyway, um, I was reminded about how like Napster was great, and um, but the problem is they were very obviously doing catering to an illegal activity as the vast majority of their 
of what they offered. I mean, obviously they offered a peer-to-peer network and you can get whatever on there, but if you're only doing like songs, which are probably copyrighted songs, it's hard to get around that. And um, I do like how the how Brian McCullough doesn't shy away from like calling out the music industry for what they are, which is their total weasels too. And, you know, as much as they were right, I just didn't want to see them win because the whole IRIAA suing people, I mean, it was ridiculous. And Lars Ulrich and Metallica, you know, I guess they enjoyed dying on that hill, but die they did, I think. Anyway, ah, so that book is right there and I finished reading it and I've finished another book in the last four days, which is uh, a book called Leaving the Witness by Amber Scora. Amber uh, Scora is a New York City writer who was a Jehovah's Witness for her entire life until she was 20, um, I guess 22 or so. And, or no, no, mid-20s. Um, I kind of lose track of the timing of it, but um, it's just this like, complete page turner of a memoir of her life as a Jehovah's Witness, the sort of sheltered life they live, um, very like like loving, but within very strict guidelines. And then of course, like loving until it isn't loving. Um, and I know Amber personally here in New York because I met her through my friend, Jen Carlson. And uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how Jen met her or when I first met Amber, but... Um, I haven't seen Amber too much in the last few years, basically uh, for just <laughs> how social life like winds down in many ways, like uh, when, when kids are involved. But um, Amber is incredibly nice and um, incredibly obviously smart, and she has this incredible story to tell. So, you know, I always knew that she had like this unusual, I would call it history, like, you know, not a common history, but I didn't. But boy, this book is just has my A plus highest rating. It's it's incredible. It's very moving and it's fascinating. And it takes place mostly in China because she goes there to be a missionary. And that's where she sort of has her, I guess you would call it an awakening and ultimately leaves uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses. So <clears throat> that's <laughs> that book has dominated my last four days. I That's all I can think about. Um, and like I said, it is a page turner. Like I, it's it's such a quick read. It's two hundred and seventy pages, and um, and it reads very very quickly. So I just highly recommend. It. I got it from the library, so I guess I will return that. I guess maybe tomorrow. I have another book uh, on hold there, which is this Julie Zhuo book, who's a Facebook product manager. I thought I might read a uh, business book, and so I'm going to read that. And. My friend Pete is coming to Dead Night tomorrow, and he said he's going to lend me his John Barlow book, the memoir um, uh, "Mother American Night," which I realize I will probably accept his borrow his lended book, but I'm probably probably also just going to buy it because um, added to my dead collection. And I kind of knew I was an acquaintance of John Barlow's after the National played with Bob for the first time, and Barlow was there, and I treasure that twenty minute conversation that he and I just had in Bob Weir's office. Um, talking about life, he asked me questions about Brooklyn, and and you know I talked to him about these the lyrics to the song my brother Esau that we had gotten Bob to agree to play for the first time in thirty years, and Barlow talked about how Bob didn't like some of the lyrics he wrote. He kept trying to fuss with two lines to Barlow's um, annoyance. It was really funny. So 
th- those will be my next two books, and they're they're kind of different. I bet I could read them at the same time. Um, and I guess that's books. I wonder how long I've been going because I don't want to do this thing where it like runs out and then I have to edit it. So ah, we'll move along quickly here. Music. I can't remember what I've listened to. Oh yeah, well today I listened to The Replacements two days ago or yesterday announced a new box set that I really want and I guess I will order. It's called Dead Man's Pop, which is um, the remix, the intended original mix of Don't Tell a Soul, The Replacements 1989 album, which is their penultimate album and it's one where people think like they'd already become major label and affected their sound and I guess that's true, but that's the second album that came out that I remember of theirs, like that I lived through and I don't know. I was I loved Please to Meet Me, but like it took me by surprise. But for Don't Tell a Soul, I anticipated its arrival, and when it came, I loved it. I didn't know the replacements, like their early, harder, punkier stuff, so I didn't have that like, oh man, they sold out or whatever vibe. I love Don't Tell a Soul, so I guess I gotta get this little box set. Um, and so today they released Talent Show, or maybe it was yesterday, the first song on the record, and it is absolutely a different mix. I mean, it's like, it's the same song, but like, it seems like this badass, kind of way cooler version. It's it's more compelling. But anyway, I love the original take too, but anyway. So I guess that's that. The other thing is uh, for music, I don't know, I've just been putting together my playlist. I've been listening to certain July Dead stuff over the past few days, like on the weekend at the coffee shop. So anyway, Grateful Dead Night, Wednesday, um, July 24th, which for me, as I record this, is tomorrow. Me and Scott Devendorf and Bradley Goodman, and it's always a good time. You should come if you're listening and in Brooklyn um, and free and interested tomorrow. Uh, Wednesday, I mean. And, oh, movies. I saw Toy Story 4 again because Oliver really wanted to see it, and I was happy to go back and see it again too. And we went to the Alamo Draft House, and it was so much fun. And he had pizza, and I had a KCBC Superhero Sidekicks uh, IPA, and Oliver brought all six of his tiny little Toy Story stand Toy Story characters that stand up on like a table. I mean, like they're like you know two inches tall. And we watched the movie, and it was so much fun. And I had never been to the Alamo Draft House, which is um, you know certainly took me long enough but boy I love it I love it there so I can't wait to go back and he's excited too he he really enjoyed the experience I think he likes having a table too where he can like put stuff on and um, of course eating pizza is not bad either and I'm um, trying to think what else I think that's kind of it the only it was so hot this past weekend with the heat wave and that coincided with Oliver being sick so it was a very quiet weekend, so nothing big. On last the previous Saturday on July thirteenth, um, Oliver and I went to Red Hook. We had lunch at Fairway. We went to Steve's Key Lime Pie, walked out on Valentino Pier, and went to the Record Shop. That's what it's called on Van Brunt, and that was a fun little um, Saturday adventure. So it had been a, been a few weeks since we'd done an adventure like that, and I guess that's it. I might just wrap it up here from. Uh, from Cobble Hill this time, not Carroll Gardens, even though it's only a five-minute walk from my apartment right now. Um, yeah, so this has been um, episode, I think it's 26 or 27. I don't have, Again, I don't have my notebook in front of me. Uh, but this is the Conrad Life Report. Oh, and I want to shout out to uh, my friend Chris Thurlow. I think I will mention this next week, but he's been sending me like these great photographs of... Um, <clears throat> of out of the way airports that he uh, goes to for his job. 
And um, I love airports, so we'll share. We'll talk a little bit about these awesome African airports uh, that he's been going to and texting me photos from next week. Um, all right, so again, for the Conrad Life Report, I am Conrad. It is 71 degrees and drizzling in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. Um, until the next time, take care. <laughs>